Very often the lectionary gives us two gospel texts from which to choose on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis. And sometimes we choose, and sometimes, like today, I'm going to read them both. The first one is Mary's response to the angel's arrival with the news that we just sang about in the basket carol. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For God has looked with favour on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear God from generation to generation. God has shown strength with God's arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of God's mercy according to the promises God made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And the second text is from the Gospel of Matthew. And John the Baptist has been arrested and is in prison, arrested by Herod. When John in prison heard what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and he said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we supposed to be waiting for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who does not take offence at me. What a contrast of two readings on the same Sunday, this third Sunday of Advent. There's this extraordinary song of courage and hope sung by a very young woman, quite possibly a very young teenager, unmarried and pregnant. Couldn't be a more lowly, more disenfranchised, more hopeless situation. And we have her saying, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry and sent the rich away empty. She sees herself as chosen. She matters. She's been recognised and acknowledged for who she is and for what she can contribute It's an extraordinary song of hope. And then next to it, 
we have a song of no hope. A man in prison. And in this culture, when you went into prison, you were there at the whim of the, of the ruler. And most of us know the story. John doesn't get out of prison. He's killed. He's beheaded. And that's usually the fate. So when you go into prison, there literally is no more hope. And you get forgotten. I used to work in a prison uh, in the Northern Territory and the sense of being forgotten by the people who should remember them was of significant pain to many prisoners. They had just disappeared from the world. And here's John, disappeared from the world, and asking that question, are you the one? Because I was at the river and I was baptising people and I saw you and I believed that you were and I thought you were going to change the world. Now, I don't know. Should we be waiting for another? Did I make a mistake? Because if I did, tell me the truth. Don't mess me around. Tell me the truth and I'll deal with the truth. Don't give me a lot of nonsense. An important message this time of the year, isn't it? Because lives are filled with spin of all kinds. We've got both sides of politics in Australia unwilling to tell us the truth about climate change, a truth that we all already know. The leader of the Labour Party tramping through Queensland telling them that coal mines will be fine when the latest OECD reports telling us that two-thirds of Australia's coal mines will be gone because they'll be uneconomical within the next 20 years. Two-thirds of them. Tell us the truth. And we've got our Prime Minister also dancing around climate change, unwilling for us to, tell, to, to deal with the truth of it. And we, when we know we're being snowed, like we do often at Christmas time, you know, we're being sold a whole pile of stuff. We know it's not quite the truth. It's very difficult to live with. It's like as if your entire meal consisted of fairy floss. It kind of looks solid enough, but when you chunk into it, there's absolutely nothing there. And anyway, it's sort of full of sugar and, it, and you, your taste buds are no good for anything else if you just eat that. It's this sense of... We really need to know the truth. And here's John, either in courage or desperation, or perhaps both, from the little we know of him, he was an extraordinary character, willing to stand up against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you were here last week, he called them sons of snakes, essentially. It was a really courageous thing to say and do. But out of courage or desperation, he wants to know, tell me the truth. What is really going on? Are you the one... Or should we wait? Has this Christmas story got any point to it at all? Seen a bunch of kids dressed in tea towels and standing around pretending to be shepherds. I mean, you know, it's cute and everything, and it's it's nice. And we, we some of us have really good memories of Christmas as, as children. Um, but is there any point to it? Like it's so covered up with tinsel and Christmas wrapping. Is there? Is this the real thing or? Or are we just wasting our time? Tell us the truth, because there's not that much time left for most of us, is there? Even if we're the, ti the tiniest baby, life will be over in less than 100 years, most likely. It's very short. So let's deal with the truth. 
So what does Jesus do? Well, what he doesn't do is he doesn't tell John, look, you really should pray more. You should believe more. You should be more faithful. You should read your Bible more or go to church more often. You should be, you shouldn't doubt because doubting is a sin. You should be strong and resolute. He doesn't do any of that. He acknowledges the reality of John's situation that he's living in doubt and in hope all the time. It's like riding a bike. You're actually not upright on a bike at all. You're actually moving from left to right. And of course you see that with a child when you're teaching them to ride a bike. They're going like that. Eventually they stop doing that and it feels like they're not wobbling at all. But they still are. They're still constantly balancing. That's the kind of life we're constantly living. So what does he say to a person who's still willing to hope? Are you the one? Or should we just stop and start somewhere else? Go and tell John what you see and hear. If John was there, he would say, look, listen. And then he tells this story, which we've just read a little bit in, uh, in, the, in the psalm. It's this idea of the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, the lepers cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor of good news brought to them. It's actually a quote a little bit from the psalm we just read and a little bit from Isaiah. It's, the, it's a kind of reference back to John to remind him that the things he's followed through all his life, this strong sense of God being present and coming into the world in a new way that he's carried through all of his life from these ancient texts that have been important to him as a young man, as a child, as they were for all good Jewish people. He's reminding him of, him, of those things. But I reckon he's also doing another thing, and that's saying, look at what's actually happening to ordinary people. Yes, we don't have politicians who seem at the moment willing or able to deal with climate change in the way that they should. That's our fault, because we voted for all kinds of different groups of people, and we don't give them a very clear understanding of what they should do. There's massive problems that we need to deal with. Imagine waking up being um, Boris Johnson this morning. I mean, I I guess he assumed he was going to win because the polling was pretty strong. Uh, And as much as he's presenting a face that says he's got a plan and he's going to work it out, he's dealing with an enormously complex situation. It's really difficult, all of the time. Jesus doesn't point to any of those things. Important though they are, he points to really small things. And they're they're, they're small, not to the individual, but to the rest of us. Uh, David Gregg, who's uh, not here today, just went and had an eye operation on uh, Wednesday. And that's going to make an enormous difference to him. Won't make any difference to the rest of us, because we don't know what what it looks like. He said it felt like his eyes were covered in glad wrap. That, that, and you, that's a really good, you know, I'm getting an idea of what it must, how terrible it must be to not be able to see clearly. And so he's getting that fixed. That's of enormous significance to one individual who we know and love. 
Jesus seems to be pointing to that really micro level, that one person at a time is having a revolution in their lives. We see this all the time, obviously, in Hope's Cafe and in the Spire community. We had 70 people um, at our volunteers' Christmas dinner a week and a bit ago now. It's nearly, it's about three quarters of all the volunteers that we have working around the place. Some of, some of you are here. And we, we had a beautiful Christmas dinner. And a number of people spoke to me afterwards about, and they wanted to tell me how important it was for them to be able to participate in this work. Because it wasn't just about um, that they would be able to help people. Uh, but one person said, I know I'm here helping people and, and it's wonderful, but I, I kind of feel a little bit guilty because I think I'm getting far more than I'm able to give. It's something so important to me to be able to be like Mary, recognised, acknowledged, to be, able to, uh, to be able to be a part of community and give. I wonder if that's all Jesus is doing at this point, is saying to John... Remember, individuals, ones and twos, the difference it makes, the change that comes. Yeah, we do have the psalm. We do have Mary's claim that the powerful are going to be brought down from their thrones. But I checked the news this morning and it hasn't happened yet. Does it mean we don't believe it? Does it mean we don't trust it? Does it mean we don't pray for it and hope for it each time we gather at Christmas and call and, and claim that God is the uh, sent Jesus as the Prince of Peace? No, of course it doesn't. We continue to do that. Does it mean we pretend that it's all going to be wonderful? No, we should share each with each other our extreme doubts and our pain and our fear and tell each other what Jesus told John. Have a look around. Look. Let me finish with this quote. It's from a Canadian singer-songwriter called Bruce Coburn. And in one of his lyrics he says, It's a little round planet in a big universe. Sometimes it looks blessed, sometimes it looks cursed. It depends on what you look at, obviously. But even more, it depends on the way that you see.